Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and The Garfield Firm. Servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, presenting world-renowned author, trial lawyer, CLE lecturer, and court-approved expert witness on securitization of death, Neil Garfield. It is not a fight if you don't fight back. Hi, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, December 9th, 2021. I am broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida. In a nutshell, the way the banks steamroll over consumers and homeowners is by making tracks in the sand. Each step they take, introducing or sending correspondence, notices, and statements results in the creation of what looks like a track record, an apparent track record. Those notices, that correspondence, those statements are not generated in general from the party whose name appears at the top. They're all third parties that you don't have any relationship with. This this track record is an illusion, but the longer the illusion stands without objection, the more it seems real. But if it stands unopposed, the lawyer presenting the track record has the advantage. For purposes of a court record, the fake track record becomes a legal fact, even though it is false. That's very frustrating to many litigants and lawyers and even some judges. They're required to rule that way in the absence of anything to the contrary. The purpose of the webinar that I presented on pre-litigation strategies and tactics was to alert lawyers and homeowners that the case does not begin when a foreclosure begins. The case begins the moment that a homeowner receives any correspondence, notice, or statement. Each action produced by the banks should be met with an opposite and equal reaction by the homeowners. Failure to do that makes it appear that the homeowner agreed with everything, even though the homeowner was not thinking about any of that. It looks like the homeowner agreed with everything that previously transpired, and now that the foreclosure has begun is seeking to wiggle out from a legitimate claim. But if the homeowner comes to court with his own track record detailing the refusal or inability 
of the players to answer simple, direct questions about the existence and status of the alleged loan account receivable, the situation changes. Tonight, the show is devoted to questions and answers regarding the issues, strategies, and tactics that have been described in the webinar and my blog posts on the subject. The mic is open. Please think about your questions in advance and refrain from long monologues about your case. Try to use the hand wave to show me you have a question. Otherwise, I'll select people at random. <coughs> I have received uh, some email questions, and I'll get to those, uh, too. I'm looking for hand waves, and I don't see them. Um, I'll start with one of the email questions and then go to the callers. The uh, first question, I'm going in order of what I received. Uh, why do we have to do anything? The regulators and agencies are supposed to do this work. Well, yes, they are supposed to, but they're not doing it. And the reasons they're not doing it are far beyond uh, the time that I've got on this show to talk about. The fact is, if anyone wants to prevent their home from being foreclosed or judgment being entered against them for foreclosure or eviction uh, because of foreclosure, uh, they ha the, the, the individual homeowner has to do something. And there's nothing that will stop a foreclosure other than a court order. So uh, if you don't answer or if you don't respond, uh, it's happening. And I would also add, just as a side note, I'm not sure that I would trust anything that anyone tells you on the phone because those call centers are not operated by the people you think are in charge. So there's going to be a disclaimer afterwards that we didn't have anything to do with that statement or that agreement or whatever. And this is why you've got to nail them down. You have to take proactive action and uh, establish your own tracks in the sand that contradict their tracks in the sand. So caller, whoops. Uh, area code 207, first three digits 749. Do you have a question? I do. Am I on? You are on. <clears throat> Oh, great, because I hit the mute button. <laughs> uh, nice to hear your voice and know you're there for us. <clears throat> I've had a couple things go on. One today is I, I uh, spoke with, I was told it's TD Bank, and, but as I looked through their correspondence, there are three different uh, names mentioned as being the owners of my mortgage now, and they've already taken four properties of mine, so I hope I know a little bit. One is TDNA, First Massachusetts, and another one is an address in Wilmington, Delaware. And what I've asked them to do is produce for me 
you know, an accounting, but I don't seem to, I feel like I'm not making myself understood. So <clears throat> I call CFPD and ask them to help me. <clears throat> what happened was, was on another house that they took previously, they found a $10,000 check that somebody had signed where Rushmore had said they returned the escrow money to me, but they returned it to a an address where I don't live, and that person signed it. So CFPB actually produced the check for me, and I want everybody to know that because I think that's miraculous. <laughs> and uh, But now they're coming after my residence. <clears throat> so, right. All right, he, so let me give you a few. To the lawyer. I said I don't want to talk to the lawyer. They lie, and you're going to bill me $500. Well, okay. Um, let's not throw all babies, all lawyers out with the, with the bathwater. Um, if you want to really navigate this, you you should have a lawyer. And let me just go down, you know, briefly over the points that you raised. Number one, they know very well what you're asking for. They don't have it, and that's why they're not giving it. There is no loan account receivable on the books of the uh, whoever is claimed to be your creditor because they're not a creditor. They didn't pay for anything, and they're just being used as a placeholder to divert money to an investment bank to whom you owe nothing. So the uh, the, the thing with the check that is a common story the the story they tell on the you know on the, the financial side is it was an accident but the truth is every time that check is not cashed it goes back into operating funds and it's not the operating funds of Rushmore or whoever it's the operating funds again of an investment bank so sending it to the wrong address is basically a hope that the check will never be cashed and that they'll be able to it keep the money cashed. and distribute it as bonuses. Cashed. It's ten thousand two hundred and seventy dollars. Well, you cashed it, right? No. No, I never got it. They sent it to this address that and I told people, I, I went to the sheriff and I said, there's an address on my credit report. I don't live there. I don't know where it comes from, you know. And they blew me off, which is what they do the most. Well, who, can, who cares I, I mean, the check? I, the person that, that was at that address said, well, my name, Beverly Levine, uh, issued, and she put her name down, Vivian Savage. And so now I'm confused because... The bank. Well, you can still CFPB go against the bank. You can still go against the draw e bank uh, for uh, honoring a check that wasn't endorsed by you. Yeah. So, so, so you can still get it. it to Wells All right, we got to move on to. We got to move on to the next person. Thanks for All calling. Right, thank All right, area code four one five, first three digits seven eight six. Do you have a question? 
you're on mute, unmute yourself. Nothing. Okay. Next email question. Why do we need a different case analysis for each case? Simple answer is that each case has some differences, whether it's signed, documents signed by different people or different places or whatever, even if it's the same trust that's supposedly uh, in operation or, or the same trustee or the same series number, each case has differences and the analysis will vary depending upon how the variables change. Um, next, area code 802, first three digits, 277. Do you have a question? Yes, good evening. Can you hear me? I hear you fine. Awesome, thank you. Uh, I really appreciated that webinar. Uh, I was hoping that there was going to be a PowerPoint in the uh, materials that were Posted for that. Uh, will that still be available to be obtained? The PowerPoint was produced as a PDF file, which you should have received. It, it was not, not in the in the download. It, it was not in no, the files it, that you no, could no, da no. download. It, that's a separate download, I think, from the same page. Okay, because I, I couldn't find it. Both of them are free. If you still haven't, uh, uh, when you go back to LendingLies.com, um, if you still can't f find it, uh, then email me at Neil, N-E-I-L-F as in Franklin Garfield, G-A-R-F-I-E-L-D at Hotmail.com. Okay, because you had some excellent slides that, just by that you didn't actually talk about. And there was one that talked about a, a collateral insurance issue with something called Adama, uh, uh, like as this may appear. I wondered if you could explain what that slide was about. Well, uh, the entire securitization scheme is based upon a naming scheme and labeling. And um, as the name may appear is basically a designation for saying that we're going to use that name regardless of any differences or even if that actually describes anybody. So the, uh, uh, the point in analysis is to recognize that by doing that, they're trying to establish plausible deniability in case you catch it. But if you don't catch it, it means nothing. And if you don't act on it, on, on it, it means nothing. And then when I say act on it, it's the qualified written request, it's a debt validation letter, it's the complaint to the CFPB, it's the complaint to the uh, the state attorney general, and they're required by law to answer. And when they and, and they will answer, but they but they won't answer your question. And so that's what you need to establish their inability or their refusal 
to corroborate their claims. Does that answer your question? Well, there was an, it, it was tied to the concept of insurance and other parties being insured that I think it meant were not named. Okay. In the insurance context, in the insurance context, uh, it, it, it's again, a cover story, um, that the insurance company is going to pay whoever is named as the name appears. And that's the meaning of and as the name what may that appear. means is that um, in many cases, I won't say all, Hello? but in many, many cases, the secondary Hello? insured supposedly uh, using the old-time language, the lender, uh, is substituted constantly. And uh, sometimes with, sometimes without the homeowner's consent. So the, uh, uh, the issue that I was going to bring up if I had time, which I didn't, is that I think if you're in, uh, even if even before litigation, but if, certainly if you're in litigation, you can ask the question of the insurance company, how did you get this name and what have you done to uh, establish that the that, that named insured had uh, an insurable interest? All right. I, I, I think I understand. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Okay. And uh, next email question before I get to the next live question. It's hard for me to believe that my transaction was not alone. Do I really need to believe that if I want to get relief? Well, what you believe is unimportant. It's what the court believes. And no, you don't have to believe it, but I'm saying as a legal practitioner for, well, uh, I got my license in 1977, so it's almost 45 years, and I was in court for a year or two before that uh, with permission. Uh, I'm telling you, that if you assume that the loan account doesn't exist on the accounting ledgers of any company anywhere, that you will be asking the right questions and making the right objections to defeat any claim they have about authority to administer, collect, enforce, or even correspond or issue you statements, much less issue credit reports about you. Those are the cases that are resolved in favor of the homeowner. 
if you assume that you were right to begin with, namely that the transaction was a loan and stayed a loan, then you're probably going to lose because that leads to what I call the yes but defense and no judge in my experience, has been very receptive to the yes, but defense. Yes, I owe it. and Yes, I am in default. Uh, but once you say, yes, I owe it, and yes, I am in default, the case is over. I'm saying, no, you don't owe it, and you've never been in default because you can't be in default unless the creditor declares it. Just because somebody knows you haven't made a payment doesn't mean they have the power to declare a default. Next, uh, area code 617, first three digits 308. Do you have a question? Hi, Neil. Yes. Alan here. Um, I'm just wondering if, you know, how far along can we get uh, relief from a, 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 a you know, a, an illegal foreclosure that took place a while back? That's a great question. I, I wish I had brought it up myself. Um, I'm sorry, in the state of Florida. Okay. I, I think my answer is going to be the same no matter what state it is. The Let's start with this. There's no statute of limitations on title to real property. There is no obligation of the owner to reassert or renew title. It's not like your car that you have to re-register and all that stuff. And even if you don't re-register your car, you still own it. So anybody who's taking action at any time, contrary to your title interest in the property, is committing a violation of some duty, either statutory or at common law. So in that sense, the statute never ends, and that's kind of the argument. But in Florida and in other states, there are statutes that at least say that, they're cha- that they've changed that. So in, in Florida, for example, you can seek to recover title on an illegal foreclosure only for a year. After that, all you have is a right to monetary damages. I personally doubt the constitutionality of that statute, but testing the constitutionality of a state statute is a very expensive and lengthy affair. Next, the statute of limitations for certain causes of action based upon when the cause of action became ripe. 
So, for example, if you want to plead a case for abuse of process or wrongful foreclosure, it doesn't start until there is a wrongful foreclosure that has been completed, and then the statute will run five years, five, four years in Florida, uh, for the tort of uh, wrongful foreclosure or abuse of process. Um, if you file a claim on the contract, which I don't advise because you're admitting the contract exists, which I don't believe it does, uh, then the statute of limitations is five years from the date of the breach. The caveat to that is that the statute can be told, which means it can be extended in certain cases where you can prove concealment and that kind of thing. The exception to that rule, it, well, first of all, it's in the judge's discretion, basically. And second of all, uh, the exception is in a statute of what's called repose that basically says, look, we've got to have a final answer to whatever the dispute is. If... Uh, uh, if 20 years has passed or whatever it is, uh, you no longer have a right to to make a claim. And in effect, the uh, um, statute for adverse possession is almost a statute of repose because it basically says, okay, your title is infinite and, and forever. But if somebody else is sitting on your land or has fenced over a part of your land and has been using it right out in the open as though it's their land and not your land and without your permission, then after 20 years, they can say that land is theirs. So that's the, the best total answer I can give to the statute of limitations question. I hope that covers it. Thank you. You're welcome. So, email question. I am a high net worth individual oh, who understands the truth about this scheme. Is there a business plan for defeating the banks that will make substantial profits? Well, my first reaction is anybody who is a high net worth individual probably wouldn't be writing this question. But let's assume it's true. Um, is there a business plan for defeating the banks that will make substantial profits? The answer is yes, there are a number of them. Some clients of mine are aware of that, and there are many more that have not yet been pursued, which I intend to do. Um, and how much time do we have? Ooh, only three minutes. Okay. Um, Area code 917, first three digits, 941. Do you have a question? Hello? Yes. Yes. Hi. Um, I'm calling from Brooklyn, New York. My question to you is, there, like, is there a time limit for them to file, especially in New York, an assignment of mortgage? Because, like, in my case, right, 
the assignment of mortgage was done like six years after, or then there was a bunch of things called corrective assignments that I um, didn't understand. How can they go back and, 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 you know, like is there a statute of limitation for when the banks can uh, fire okay. an assignment of mortgage from when it right. really what? I understand I understand the question and uh we have very little time left but the answer is that an assignment a corrective assignment of mortgage can be filed at any time if it is in fact a correction because of some scrivener's error or something like that if it actually changes the terms of the assignment or is reciting a different transaction or something like that, it's not a corrective assignment. And the assignment is either valid or invalid depending upon the timing of when it was sent relative to the title of whoever owns the property at that point in time. So that's all the time we have for tonight. I wanna thank you all for joining me and um, we'll see you again next week. Thanks again. Bye. The opinions expressed on The Neil Garfield Show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit livinglies.me. Give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me.